We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Jeffrey Wright joining for his weekly appearance. We'll go over picks. We got Auburn and Ole Miss, 6 o'clock Saturday from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Hugh Freeze, Lane Kippen, the whole deal. We'll give their final uh, talk on that. What is a very full day at MPW Digital? All podcasts on MPW Digital brought to you by Twisted T. More on them in a little bit as well. So we'll get into it. But first, the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. We told you that Vanderbilt's at 6.30 next weekend. Plenty of time in the Grove. Plenty of time to get some catering for your tailgate. Slabs of ribs, pulled pork. It's going to be a little chillier. So this kind of hearty food, not bad for your tailgate next week. Vegetables, dessert, side items and much more there at the Oxford Exxon, the Beer Cave for this weekend. Pick up all your alcohol to hang out and watch the Rebels and the Tigers in your home, home, somebody else's home, wherever you are for the game this weekend, and much more. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You just get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. I'll prove to you what that means when you make that call. Again, 662-257-1900. As Chase said, we have a busy day at MPW Digital. Lots of guests who all join on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Jeffrey Wright is about to join us on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., don't forget, uh, it's Thursday, so you've got about two days and two and a half days to take advantage of Dead Sox. He's 40% off sale. It goes until the start of the Auburn game, 6 o'clock on Saturday. That's right, so take a break. Kick your feet up, lock in some red and blue socks at an incredible 40% off discount. 
DeadSoxy.com, promo code Rebel Grove for 40% off the best socks you'll ever wear. They also will be sponsoring our uh, post-game show on Saturday night that uh, Chase will uh, will be driving that ship, but some of us will jump in when we can. Any post-game uh, coverage also brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors. If you're searching for residential or commercial properties in Oxford or Tupelo, contact Whitney for amazing professional service and support. Contact Whitney at Whitney at tmhomes.com or 662-567-2573. Jeffrey, good morning. You know, with it being Hugh Freeze week, I almost feel like we're just like some attorneys and you just get like an opening statement. I should just like clear the floor or something for the day. So Leah and I had date night last night and she asked an interesting question. She asked me, so if Ole Miss wins, are Neil and Chase not going to let you on the postgame show? <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. It would be the opposite. If Ole loses, they wouldn't let me on the postgame show. But if Ole Miss wins, that is going to be Chase just sitting there winding me up and letting me go. Yeah, that's going to be. So, Jeffrey, uh, here's the score, and then. As soon as you start talking and Chase is assured that the connection is okay, he'll just get up and I don't yeah. know, walk around the house, find something to snack Lads. on. Chase will read a couple ads, make sure he takes care of some business, and then Chase will probably get Oh, Miss 38, Auburn 20. Now Jeffrey Wright joining the show. Look at, look at the, he'll look at the audio levels and go, yeah, okay, it looks like it's good. Okay, is it recording? All right, good. All right. And then 30 minutes later, he'll come back and say, oh, he's still going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking about what would the opening statement be? Cause you are correct. This does feel, um, this does feel a little bit like a trial. I actually thought about this. My opening statement would be to all of you people that say, be fair to Hugh freeze. I would actually argue I'm more fair to Hugh freeze. Despite the fact that I hate the man than all of you that say be fair to Hugh Freeze because really what they say when they say be fair to Hugh is praise him because being fair to Hugh Freeze would point out Hugh even when you were at Briarcrest and you were going up with a significant talent advantage how did you regularly lose to ECS and MUS Jim Hines and Bobby Alston who regularly did not have the talent that you did why do you have a certain propensity to always lose games that you should win with superior talent. Being fair to Hugh Freeze would also point out when everyone wants to talk about what he's doing at Liberty, well, has anyone seen what Jamie Chadwell's doing at Liberty? Turns out in a job where you have a ton of money and not, and you get to make your own schedule and you can schedule talent inferior teams, turns out that's a pretty good job. Being, here to, being fair to Hugh Freeze would also point out you can sit there and say this man has been persecuted, but at the same time, ask the very honest question. How the hell did you call hookers from your university-issued cell phone? How does that occur? That is being fair to Hugh Freeze. That's what is I think has driven me the most insane over the last you know five to six years. He did beat Alabama twice, Jeffrey. He did. Houston Nutt beat Florida. 
I mean, Houston, that's the last game at Arkansas, if I recall correctly. He went down to LSU and beat the number one ranked team in the country. Do I have that right? You yeah. do. Also, Hugh Freeze lost to Memphis and Vanderbilt twice. In fairness, that Vanderbilt team in 2012 was just a better team. Hugh Freeze had Malik Willis and they lost at ULM. Correct. I watched it. Oh, you did watch that? Yeah. He lost to Arkansas in 2014 and 15. And then in 2015, that was still the ultimate. The week before when the offense sucked, he said he worked with the defense. And then the next week when they got lit up for, I believe Neil had the stat, was it 700 yards of offense by Arkansas? It was right at 700. I don't remember the exact 690 something. He immediately came in and said, I don't know. I didn't work with the defense this week. I just worked with the offense. At what point in your life did you like Hugh Freeze the most, Jeffrey? I. This is a good question. Thank you. 2013. Um, I can't remember what game we were covering. There was oh, there was a, like one specific game that you like Hugh Freeze the most. Okay. Specific moment where his girls all came in and like jumped on him. And I remember thinking to myself, despite all of the negative things I've always heard about him, the one thing that I can safely say is his girls do adore him. And I remember thinking to myself, if I'm ever a father, I hope that my children uh, view me the same way that he did, that, that they viewed him. That's very poignant. Yeah. It was whenever South Carolina, there was like that South Carolina-Missouri game. So I don't remember what we were covering. So late in the 13th season. Yeah, it was like South Carolina-Missouri played like a back and forth. Uh, Missouri missed like a 24-yard field goal to lose in overtime. That- in that the old we were in the old media room. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough answer. That's fine. I'm just just curious. I was actually though, this is another thing that has long interest me. What is his mystique? Gus Malzahn has beaten Alabama more than he's beaten Alabama. But Gus does not have the mystique that he does. I mean, a lot of it is he did it at Auburn versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss had not won consistently. Right, but at the same time, if you look at his record, almost every Ole Miss coach, with the exception of Orgeron, has had some type of high like he did and then inevitably had, you know. The fall, sure. Good question. Lane's had more consistent success than he has. Freeze's mystique at Ole Miss, I think, was multifold. He he came in after an abject disaster. I mean, there was no there was no defending 2011. Even the the look. I mean, let's be let's be serious. The Ole Miss spirit was so embedded with. I'm just being. I'm keeping it real here. They were so embedded with Houston Nutt that it was very difficult for them to disentangle themselves from him in 2011. Mm-hmm. They couldn't figure out how do we do this. Anybody that looked at it could tell this was a a catastrophe. There's a there's another word that comes to mind that I try not to use. It it was it was it was bad. There was no there was no fixing this. This was this was inevitable. And then when I got the quote from Pete Boone that day in Nashville, and then the press conference and all that, the spirit had to even 
They spent weeks figuring out how do we detach ourselves from this. So it was so bad that when Freeze comes in, and he's a Mississippi boy, and I remember that press conference at the Ford Center where he walks in, and and everybody goes, and all that. I mean, they wanted this guy back. He wanted to be there. He, 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 in fairness to Matt Luke, Hugh did the whole Mississippi made thing before Matt yeah. did. I don't, I don't know what word they used, but it was the same damn thing. And then, you know, he, 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 he told him I'm going to recruit nationally. And then he kind of did. And mm-hmm. again, ton of credit in 2012. Now a lot of things fell their way, but that counts. Um, in the same way that a lot of things for certain schools, like certain teams, some years, nothing falls their way. And you look back and you're like, you know, they weren't as bad as they looked. Like, it doesn't matter. The, the scoreboard is the scoreboard. So he did that. And then he, I think he, 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 he did the opposite of, of nut where nut kind of told Ole Miss people, who do you think you are? Like we, we went to back to back cotton bowls. It's the first time in 50 years. I, mean, I, don't, I don't have the exact mm-hmm. quote, but that's basically what he said. Like, in other words, that's as good as you guys are ever going to be historically. I just took you to somewhere that you haven't been in half a century. Shut up. Well, they didn't want to hear that. And freeze comes in and goes, we're going to recruit national. And he did. I mean, he did in fairness, kind of sort of recruited nationally a little bit. And, so people in, and, and then he did let's be real, let's keep this real. A lot of people really like the whole faith-based thing. It it appeals to them on some fundamental levels in the South. And he did it. And for a while, people actually believed it. And and he did that speech about in the the egg bowl thing about we we play for love, not for hate, at a time when that rivalry was really caustic. Um he did all that stuff, and so people just kind of ate it up. And then look, for the longest time, right? Ole Miss people were it was we shall return to the 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 Superdome and play in the in the Sugar Bowl and all that stuff with the flag on top of the dome and all that stuff. Everybody had that poster, and he did it. Now, he should have been better than that, but he did it. He took them there, and I think that's the mystique. And then, as so many people have pointed out, including all three of us at different times. He really not he paid for it, seventeen million dollars and a ton of embarrassment. But he didn't get to coach that twenty seventeen team where people could have seen, oh wow, he's really let this thing slip. The recruiting they, thing is what is so fascinating, Neil, because yeah, you know he he's the only coach in I guess almost history to sign two classes with multiple top ten recruits in it. I mean, he had obviously Robert at one, Laquan at five, and somehow Laramie was not a like not nine or 10 player in the country, something like that. Um, and then in 16, no, that's the one where everything had already fallen to hell and it was gone and nobody really cared, but he signs Patterson and Greg a little out of that class. I think they were like number two and number four nationally or something like that. It, and then it just, it, it led to nothing. I mean, you, you signed that class. that's supposed to be pretty decent and whether it be Hugh or Matt or whatever, it was just turned into an abomination of a couple seasons there. I think the other thing, if I were being fair to Hugh, that I would also point out, um, Where's this offensive genius? Oh, I think that's at more, Auburn this year. Yeah, that's more than fair. And that's the question that Auburn people are asking. I mean, that, that's like hey, you guys. This guy's an off- offensive genius. Well, he hasn't figured it out. I mean, you know, in fairness to like you know Kiffin, for example, Kiffin, Kiffin came Jonathan- to Ole Miss. Now he he inherited he inherited Matt Corral. I get it, but but you know he kind of figured it out and then. When Elijah Moore bolted, they still scored fifty something points. Um, 
he's kind of always been able to sort of figure out how to keep the offense rolling. They get hiccup here and there, but for the most part, they're pretty good on offense. I don't know that you can say that about Freeze right now. When Kiffin got to Tennessee, he inherited Jonathan Crompton, and everyone was talking about what a massive bust Crompton was. He got him to be an effective player. This is what drives me insane. It's like one of the things that I take a ton of heat for is I have consistently pointed out I do not believe that he has a schematic advantage on offense anymore. I don't think I've been proven wrong yet. Hence, he did at one point. He did where I give him credit. What he, whether it was through circumstance or whether it was through foresight, he acknowledged the advantage of having elite wide receivers before everyone else did. He did. For sure. And he doesn't have those at Auburn right now. Correct. No, his Ole Miss teams had a really good stable of wide receivers. There's no doubt. They were good. Now, is that the byproduct of him him recognizing the value, or is it the byproduct of every time he tried to go after the elite running back, they couldn't get him? Huh. For whatever reason, it became easier to recruit tackles and wide receivers to Ole Miss. Yes. I don't know why, but for whatever reason. Because even the B team from receivers were incredibly good college Cody. receivers. I mean, you had you know Cody Core and Quincy Adebayo and Stringfellow and those dudes. How many years did Cody Core spend in the NFL? Yeah, I don't a few. know. Like, and remember, I mean, he was an afterthought at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot out of Moncrief and Vince Sanders, who he inherited and all that. Sure, I get that. How long is it going to be at Auburn? What's what's this look like, Jeffrey? What's your what's your crystal ball tell you? What happens on Saturday? That's not dictating his tenure, though. What if they go five and seven to start? What are they right now? Three, three. and something. And then, so their winnable games left are they still have Mississippi State. Arkansas and Neil, do they have one more by game? New Mexico State. Yes, they play in the week before Alabama. So if they lose Saturday, they've got to win all three of those. Correct. Yes. So they're three and three. They get Ole Miss Saturday, Mississippi State at home next Saturday at Vanderbilt. I'm telling y'all, that's not a freebie. Oh, um, I forgot about Vanderbilt. Okay. At Arkansas. I'd pick Arkansas today. New Mexico State at home, that's W. And then the Iron Bowl against Alabama in Auburn. The other thing that struck me on Saturday night is I was enjoying every single one of those points that LSU put up. Say what you want about Brian Harson, and there's plenty of negative to say, and I acknowledge that. That team never quit on him. That team on Saturday night in Baton Rouge, whether it was through whether it was because they sat there and said, like, there's nothing we can do, whether they were, you know, putting the flaps down and going, hey, we're going to get them next week at home. That team quit on Saturday night. They're going to be so. ready for Ole Miss. They're going to be all hyped up. They're going to do the Hugh thing. I mean, Ole Miss is going to have to withstand the early shot. I'm yeah. with Neil. Here's sh- what's interesting. Are we sure 
and I, I'm with you, Chase, and I've said it for a while too, but the more that I think about it, the more that I'm like, are they? Well, I don't think the crowd is. I think that's where I was wrong yesterday when we were discussing, you know, celebration if they win or whatever. I just don't think the crowd's overly geek for this. I I'm very fascinated because one thing that I feel like he gets credit for is uh he'll he'll when he when he locks in, he'll get them ready. Part of being able to like get them ready and get them up means that the team listens to you. Are we sure this team listens to him? Because he's rotating quarterbacks, the system looks weird. On top of rotating quarterbacks, are we sure that that team thinks that Peyton Thorne should be playing quarterback? It doesn't matter what you and I think. It doesn't matter what the right answer is. Do, do the players think that? I have Bobby, no idea what's wrong with them, but they've got some sort of coaching deal going on. Wesley McGriff, he's sitting out Saturday for a personal matter. I mean, are, are we sure? Because I, I mentioned to y'all, one of my new favorite things to do is about every Tuesday, every Wednesday, just fire up that Auburn press conference. And I saw that there was a thread on the board thinking that he was doing the aw shucks. No, 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 no. I know when he does the aw shucks thing. If you watched him, that was when he's frustrated. That was him being uh, out of answers. I I'm very fascinated to know if, if indeed the convenient narrative is they'll be ready to go on Saturday. I'm very fascinated to know if that's true. Yeah, well, he looked beaten down, which is so weird six weeks into a season. Go ahead, now. The other thing we haven't talked about at all this week, maybe because we just didn't want to, or maybe because we didn't get around to it, or I did uh, – we'll have a, a show that airs 1 o'clock this afternoon on YouTube. We'll put it up in podcast form as well. I talked to John Sokoloff. Lane Kiffin's got to really want this game. I mean, Lane Kiffin doesn't have anything personal against the cat at Georgia Tech. I don't think he has anything personal against Brian Kelly. I think he likes Brian Kelly. I think he respects Brian Kelly as a coach, blah, blah, blah. Um, I watched Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman before the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. I think the two men genuinely like one another. The cat at Georgia Tech is his boat buddy. Literally, yeah. like, he's his boat. Like yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched Lane and Pittman before the game, and, and they talked for 10 minutes. I mean, it was very congenial. They were laughing. I mean, Kiffin was clearly telling jokes, and Pittman thought it was funny, and you know, Pittman kept putting his hand on Lane, and Lane, who's not a touchy person, didn't recoil at all. In fact, he kind of touched Pittman. I mean, they were they were talking. You're not going to see that Saturday. I mean, Lane Kiffin blames whether whether it's because he thinks it messed him up for taking the job, or whether he thinks it was just sabotage or whatever it was. Lane was clearly pissed that Monday night, y'all, and, and and it wasn't directed at just John Sokolov. There was something more to that. He was pissed. He was pissed at Hugh Freeze. He might have been pissed at John Cohen. Maybe he was pissed at a lot of people, but he was pissed at Hugh Freeze because he kind of kept taking some shots on that throughout. I think he's going to want to beat his brains out Saturday night. I do. Well, I mean, we're, I think, we're forgetting that tweet whenever it was. God, was it was it right after? It was a couple of weeks or maybe a month after all that went down and he had been hired and Lane responded. I don't have it exactly verbatim, but Lane responded to a freeze tweet and like put an angel thing and basically commented and said, I would look for a response, but basically you you don't have control of your Twitter or something. Yeah. Oh, took yeah. like a very clear shot at him from like, you can't even respond because you've got the handcuffs on. 
listen, I'll I'll go one further. No one's ever admitted it, but all three of us have the strong speculation. The reason why Spencer Sanders is at all miss is because Freeze identified Spencer as his quarterback, and Lane was like, I'm just going to take him. I mean, I, it makes more sense than what we anything else. That's a very expensive move, but yes, I understand what you're saying. And like you can make the argument, it added depth, and whether or not he was trying to motivate Jackson, whether or not he was trying to run off Jackson, it is clearly, it has clearly been effective in Jackson's play this year. Jackson is a better player for that. Do you think Spencer is even the backup quarterback, Neil? You mean like if seems situational, right? If if Jackson, if Jackson Dart sprains an ankle Saturday night, who's going into the game? Sanders. Okay. Yeah, I think Sanders. I mean, now if you told me that Ole Miss is up 35 to three with eight minutes to go in the game, he might put Howard in there to get some reps. Okay. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's a great question. It's one that we probably should have asked during the open date, but everybody was exhausted. You could tell, and nobody asked, and I'm not sure he would have answered. He wouldn't have answered. Jeffrey, why are you uh, I'm jumping around a little bit? Why are you taking state on Saturday to cover the seven in Fayetteville? Situational spot. I, I've been pretty good with Arkansas. Arkansas has been good to me. Kind of my general rule with Arkansas is when they're an underdog, you take them. And when they're a favorite, you kind of fade them. They 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 seem to play tighter when they're favorites. And they're just not overly dynamic. So they have a time they have a hard time blowing teams out. And further they just play a lot of close games. State, I think I think that staff knows they desperately need to get to a bowl game. And this is one of the gettable ones. And I think you're gonna get a pretty good effort out of state. But if you tell me that Arkansas blows them out and state's just kind of done and they've quit on that coach. I'm not, I am not surprised in the least bit. Yeah, state's got to be a circle in this one. It's kind of like their, their last chance. You go up there and get one or it really just keeps falling and falling and falling. But I mean, I, I've said it all week. They, they struggle with Western Michigan. Like that was not some gimme. No, I, Will I, Rogers banged up. Mike Wright's playing quarterback. I mean, that, that's what I was going to take state for the same reasons you did that. And the more I just looked at it, I went, God, I mean, Arkansas did play pretty well against Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. They, they, they played suck. really well. They played really well. And, and more importantly, they did, but is that not a gauntlet? It, it is. But when we get at something, though, because I, I, I think this is what we're going to see Saturday. And it, it dovetails off your point about Freeze's team. At no point in this losing streak have they quit on Pittman. Not even for a minute. Not even in the Texas A&M game where it was bad. They, they still kept playing. They just went to to Baton Rouge, Oxford, and Tuscaloosa. Inarguably, three of the best four teams in the SEC. Five, maybe. And they lost by a total of 13 points. They kept playing. They were down 21 to 6 at the half in Tuscaloosa. Guys, that's a good spot to quit. I mean, you walk into the locker room. Had previously, yeah, that's a that's a good spot to go. You know, Epic, this is bullshit. Sanders isn't playing. The whole season was built on KJ and Rocket and all that stuff, and Sanders is out for the year. You go, you know what, guys? This isn't our year. Let's get, let's 
Let's get out of here. We're going to get back to Northwest Arkansas in time to go party tonight. Let's get the hell out of here. And they didn't. They beat Alabama 15-3 to in the second half. It doesn't count as a win. Don't get me wrong. But it's the opposite of what happened in Baton Rouge. Just make that notation. Because you know my thing. You can't fool the kids. You, you, you can't fool them. I don't care how smart they are, how not smart they are. Most of them are pretty street smart. And you can't trick them. You can't fool the kids. They know. They played hard for him. They didn't do that in Baton Rouge, and they haven't done that in Mississippi, in Starkville either. I kind of have a feeling this is a spot where Arkansas gets to take out some frustration. Because if, if, if State's sort of one-dimensional, the Arkansas defense is a little better than it gets credit for being. They're losing because their offensive line sucks. Defensively, they've been okay. Anybody. But that's also kind of why I like State. Like, Arkansas's offense has basically become the KJ show. And I, I, I think K, I think the world of KJ. But it's really, really hard. Really hard when you don't have time to throw and then you're having to be the running game. Like, I just kind of think it's going to be kind of an ugly game. And in that kind of environment, I'd rather have the points. But if, if the situation that Neil laid out occurs, I'm not going to sit here and be surprised on Saturday. Ohio State, Penn State on Saturday, 11 o'clock. So good morning spot for this for what is inarguably the national game of the day. Uh, Penn State plus four and a half at number three, Ohio State. Jeffrey. I I talked to Neil yesterday a little bit. This is almost beat for beat a repeat of the Michigan-Ohio State game for me last year. I spent the entire month of November saying, I don't care what the number is. I'm taking Michigan. I'm taking Michigan. I'm taking Michigan. The line came out, and I was like, shit. I'm going to have to take Ohio State. And I took Ohio State, and I lost. Literally, it's the same thing this week. I, for the last three or four weeks, I've sat there and watched both teams thinking, I want Penn State, I want Penn State, I want Penn State. Line comes out. I see all the money's on Penn State. They're not moving the line, and I'm taking Ohio State. At some point, Ohio State's going to have to play well. Like, they, like I'm just kind of waiting on them to wake up. I get the record is what it is and all that stuff, but they haven't played overly well. So it's kind of, okay, do it now or I'm done with you. And I'll ride you one more week. We'll see. I don't love Kyle McCord, but you know who I really don't love? Drew Ehlers. Every time I watch Penn State play, I've always thought like, man, they are just a, like a decent quarterback away from being awesome. Oh, God. Put Spencer Sanders on Penn State's team. Shit. Put, uh, put, Trace McSorley on this team, and that team is good. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, can they, can they get into a track meet at all? I don't think so. I think if, if you're if you're backing Penn State here, you want this game to be gross. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and Penn off. State's perfectly capable of making it gross. Very, very physical. I will also say this. Ohio State is not the team that Ryan Day is pretending that it is on offense. I do think that defense is actually pretty physical and and pretty good. I, I think it's kind of an, a reverse of what we're used to Ryan Day. Like I think this defense is pretty good, and the offense is talented enough, but he's got a young quarterback that he's trying to manage away from mistakes. I still think Ohio State's pretty good. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, really, they're really good. Hey, you guys haven't thought about this. We have a chance because we do. 
we've done a little bit of what happens if Ole Miss goes 11 and one, but we, we, that's putting the cart so far in front of the horse that there's really no point in doing it. There's a chance that a league champion this year gets screwed. Like a, uh, oh, uh, you you're you're preaching the choir. I have Tim Murray on my show on Tuesdays. I don't think this happens because I think Washington's defense is suspect and that yeah. some could pop them. I do think, though, it's likely at this point, though, that Washington and Oregon meet again. If they meet with 12 and 0 Washington and 11 and 1 Oregon, what happens if Oregon wins? It's highly likely that both Texas and Oklahoma finish undefeated the remaining of their schedule. So what happens if 11 and 1 Texas beats 12 and 0 Oklahoma in the rematch? What are we going to start do like are we going to really act like the regular season game didn't matter like are we going to act as if recency bias doesn't matter like I- I'm very curious to know like the ACC could become new new Pac-12 in the sense that you know do I think Carolina is going to run the table no do I think it's entirely possible Carolina runs the table yes Florida State Florida State what if Miami pops somebody that impacts you know what if Miami pops Florida State late and then Florida Florida State State beats Carolina yeah or what if just for fun for giggles Washington goes undefeated the whoever wins the Big Ten goes undefeated uh Georgia goes undefeated um Whoever wins the ACC goes undefeated. And Oklahoma goes undefeated. And Oklahoma goes undefeated. What if somebody I mean, can't get in? Is it is it is it going to happen? Probably not. Because they the, the the unfortunate part is that this stupid system, and it's really effing stupid. The four four teams when you have a power five, it's idiotic. Um, I mean, it just makes no sense. They've always gotten bailed out. They'll probably get bailed out again. They always get bailed out. Ole Miss bailed them out once by giving up the fourth and 25. They always get bailed out. But I'm just praying that this one time, just for me, this last time, let's not bail them out. Let's have chaos. Let's have a complete disaster where someone like me can go, see, I've been telling you guys for years this was stupid. Why did you wait till 2024 to do it? If you knew you were going to do it, just go on and do it. It was dumb. This It's so stupid. And then the other one that would be sweet is if Oregon ends up beating Washington in a rematch and they both have one loss, Texas beats OU in a rematch, they both have one loss, two of the Big Ten teams come out with one loss, two SEC teams end up with one loss, somebody beats Georgia, maybe maybe Alabama beats Georgia, I don't know, whatever, Who figure it out. Just chaos. I want chaos. Just no, bring me all the chaos and then, and then let, and then have the ACC team go undefeated. Where you're like, okay, well, what do we do? What what do have, we do? How do we sort this out? Because there is no clean way to sort it out. Have the have the three Big Ten teams go one loss. Yeah, have, be awesome. Have Penn State beat uh have Penn State win this week and then uh, have State beat Michigan. Beat Michigan. And they all got I do think in that situation, perception wise, Michigan gets left out because the of the schedule issue, even though Penn State I did love Franklin uh, going after Michigan with the schedule stuff. And if you looked at the strength of schedule rankings, 
his schedule was better by one place in the strength of schedule rankings. Like I kind of loved that. Oh. <laughs> hey, better. It's better. It's higher. Improved. Um, I don't feel I don't know how they sort that out, but you know what my suspicion is? Name give me give me the in your chaos scenario. Just start ranking it based on brands because oh. I firmly believe I firmly believe the TV networks will get what they want and they'll yeah. figure out a way to justify it. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating, at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up the way you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. Therapy can help clear your thoughts, and it's great to talk to somebody that doesn't have a lot of preconceived notions. Sure, you got family, you got friends, but maybe they have opinions or emotions that are not exactly what you need right now. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. Yeah, and you're you're probably right. But I mean, even in that scenario, like how do you even, how do you do the brands? I mean, obviously the Big Ten brands are huge. The SEC brand is huge. I'm guessing the Big 12, the Oklahoma, Texas deal would get this last spot. I mean, it's changing our entire thing that this isn't the case because, I mean, we would be sitting here right now having a discussion of, hey, 10 and 2 old misses in and a 12-teamer. Mm-hmm. For sure. You can lose one more time. Just run it out outside of Georgia. Oh, the question we'd be discussing is, is Ole Miss going to host a, a playoff game? Yeah. yeah. That would that, The question would be, can Ole Miss get up to the spot where they host? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or are they going to end up in the – if they with two losses, would they be more 10, 11, 12 having to go on the road? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, much, it's a much more fun conversation than, than the how do we how do we sort out the top four? Because Jeffrey's right, they're going to do it by what TV wants by the brands. So you're legitimately screwing teams. I mean, you're screwing teams as opposed to in a twelve team. If you're the thirteenth team looking in, you lost at least twice, and you got nobody to blame but yourself. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I don't necessarily know why I think this. The line's pretty large, but I think Bama might run Tennessee out of the building Saturday night. They're favored by nine. I go back and forth on this game. This game really put me in a pretzel because I do think defensively, you're probably right. Like if we've looked at what has given Tennessee problems under Heupel, it's teams like Alabama where their front's going to be able to control the line of scrimmage and then they can play coverage. They can usually man up and then have a bunch of safeties. I think you're right, but at the same time, I've, you know, Alabama covered against Ole Miss, MTSU, and A&M. They covered it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, you know, the, the MTSU game was just overwhelming them with talent. You know, if Jackson Dart, if Jackson Dart doesn't miss that one throw that day, like Ole Miss probably covers. I just feel like, I'm taking I'm taking Alabama in this scenario, but man, trusting Alabama to go cover a double digit number when, like you I saw, know. you also saw last week in that Alabama Arkansas game that we were talking about. Weren't you waiting for Alabama to hit the gas and to like run away, and they can't do it? Well, I mean, I was driving and I I listened to the first half and they were up twenty one to six or whatever and I just kind of gave it up. I went, okay, well that's that. They're gonna blow them out and win by twenty five or whatever. And it is what it is. And I flipped over to some other game, and then came back and went. They stopped and couldn't hit the gas pedal again. Yep, they couldn't get it out of neutral. It was over because Milrow is just not dynamic enough. They don't hit big plays. They don't do anything. If it's not to Burton, there's nothing on offense that really makes them go in that way. And it's tough to consistently when you're. When your ability to score is completely predicated on we have to hit the deep shot, it's mm-hmm. very tough to be consistent. We're giving uh we're giving Carolina any chance to cover the six here in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Uh the mo- the moment Shane got on the SEC teleconference, 
and did the, I can't tell you all about it, but big recruiting win. I was like, oh boy, that is, that is not good. He's also frustrated that he can't uh, take pain meds because he won't be able to call plays because he's a broken foot from kicking the Gatorade uh, canister on Saturday after the loss. Those are some Hugh Freeze vibes this week, guys. Yeah, big time. Big time. I mean, I was like, whoa, I've I've seen this story before. I mean, you lost. You blew it. Own it. Let it be your fault. Be a big man and blame yourself. Even if it's not your fault, blame yourself. Why can't you learn something from Nick Saban? I think Nick Saban really believes when they lose that it's his fault. No. Takes the blame every time, publicly. Now, privately, I'm sure he lets people know, hey, this is this was on you. This was on you. This was on you. But publicly, I sometimes wonder, do any of these guys ever pay attention to the really good baseball managers? Do you, do you listen to Brian Snitker, Bruce Bochy? Do you listen why players love Dusty Baker? Why do players love Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker's not a great manager. He's not a great baseball savant. Dusty Baker always publicly takes the heat, keeps it off his players, always. Privately, I'm sure it's a different thing, but publicly, always. Always. I think the answer to your question, though, is I think that they are terrified of, like, say. Saban can do it because Saban gets to run the ship. Like if Saban, he's sits- always done it. Jeffrey he did it at Michigan State. He did it at LSU. I covered him at LSU where they lost games, and he lost one game because his just offense was terrible. I mean, I remember they lost to Florida. It was the 2003. It was the uh, yeah, Chris Lee. Yeah, Chris Lee. I got in trouble for Aramis Ramirez's grand slam. Um, he blamed himself. He said, "I didn't have the team ready. I didn't have the team prepared. It was this is on me." Bullshit. But it, it keep, just, in the papers that kept it off off the guys that and they went back to work to win the national title. It's either to me, it's either one of two things. It's either A, which is probably the likely answer. They're just so egotistical. Um, and they're so narcissistic, and that's like partly why they've gotten to where they've been, that they can't bring themselves to do that. Or the other theory that I have is that. They're afraid if they take, if they do that, when they go to money people and say, like, I need the money for this kid, that uh, that's going to put doubt in those people's minds. So they have to, it's, you can always get you a new coordinator. You can always get you a new receiver and whatnot. Like, I think it's, they've, they've created this mind trick of they have to convince the money people that they're the only one that can do the job. And so therefore, uh, you throw somebody else under the bus to protect yourself. It's just it's the co- it's the cousin of the doing the dumb analytical thing, so you don't get asked about it in the press conference. Yes, yeah, everybody's just sort of agreed and okay, sure. Yeah, Fine. the number the number said I should go for it. I went for it. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Uh, LSU Army twenty nine and a half. It just depends how many times LSU gets the ball. Whatever, we don't have to waste time on that. You did say Army is six and one against the spread since 03 as an underdog of twenty nine or more. So there's that. Uh, But I'm I'm the same thing. Like, I just have in my mind taking 30 points and then watching LSU have those receivers run without an Army player in the picture. Mm. Like, just, like, I have that in my mind. So, like, I can't, I can't take Army. 
yeah, sheer athletic ability on the offensive side of the ball for LSU is going to overwhelm them. Um, What is Riley Leonard's status here? What is the odds that Duke can cover this two-touchdown-plus line against Florida State Saturday night? Um, Is he out? I, I really like I, I think Riley Leonard's a very good football player. I don't think I really care. Okay. If you look at where Duke has been successful, Duke defensively, defensively, they basically say, we dare your receivers to beat our corners. They haven't been able to do it. I don't think if I'm playing Florida State, you know what my game plan is? I'm going to dare those receivers to beat me. Yeah, I'm going to challenge Keon Coleman, and I'm going to shut his ass down all night. That's what we're going to do. Johnny Wilson. Like, forget yeah. Keon. We all know, like, Keon. And there's a reason why Keon's probably going to be the first receiver taken in this draft. But forget Keon. Like, even Johnny Wilson. And, like, I know history, history, history. But it's like, Florida State just kind of owns this rivalry. Even when Florida State sucked, they've owned the rivalry. 15 and a half. We'll see. I do think the line's shrinking, right? Like I was surprised. It, I thought I thought it was gonna go. I thought it was gonna go more towards 17. And I think it actually in some books went under 14, which shocked me. You uh you're picking SC to win comfortably against Utah. It's four and a half point line. I just I've watched Utah's offense and Notre, you know, Notre Dame forced. USC into, you know, an absolute horrible day. I just kind of like the spot for SC where they have the, you know, on a year where they've looked pretty pedestrian, even SC's defense. I mean, at this point, are are we sure Cam Rising's ever playing? I think he's sitting out the year. I I do too. That's kind of where I'm, where my head's at. And if Cam Risen is not playing and you watch you watch that offense, like literally as long as you just put 11 bodies out there, you'll be able to stop that offense. So SC has got to score 30 points and they just win. Bingo. That's if you look, I think I picked it like 31-20. Okay. Did you watch all four quarters of the Giants abomination the other night as they were trying to knock off the Bills? I did because I was live betting the hell out of the Bills. Um okay. And I felt pretty good until that last freaking possession. Um, first off, I just want to shout out the officials for letting the boys play. Like, don't be the story. Let the let the men let the men decide the game. Um, and also, you can't throw back to back. You can't throw back to back pass interference penalties. <laughs> if you just keep mugging them, at some point they're not going to call it. I promise. Like it's it's it's. Um, uh... I- Completely turned my attention to the draft. Like I, okay, I'm going. If we freaking win this game, because it was the ultimate. It's not like that game was going to flip the season for us. It's you know what I mean. Like we're. It's only going to hurt you. There's no path to the playoffs. So why would I like at this point? Like, you know, Daniel Jones is what he is. Like I, I want a new quarterback. Give me a new shiny toy. Is that what they're going to do? I think so. Everyone, oh, glad you paid Daniel Jones. If you look at the contract, they basically gave him a lot of money as a reward for last year, but he's pretty cuttable. Yeah. And what else were they going to do, right? I mean. How many, I was thinking about this. 
How many teams in the NFL right now, truth serum, would not trade their quarterback? I think you can safely say the Chiefs. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Bills. Dolphins, Lions. Are we sure about the Dolphins, even though I'm a Tua guy? Yeah, they probably wouldn't trade him. I mean, if you put Tua on the market today, 20 teams would clamor for him. I mean, he's got he's got a deep floor because of all the stuff, but he's pretty good. No, I mean, literally, I just wonder if if the Dolphins are behind the scenes going, you know, we're one concussion from this. I period. mean, we have four, we have five minutes here. Josh Dobbs, obviously, Desmond Ritter, obviously, yes. Lamar Jackson. Maybe I, I think they're, they, they're kind of pot committed at this point. They built Josh Allen, no. They built their whole roster around Lamar. Like if you if you traded Lamar, like there's no way you could like figure out an offense that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Carolina would trade Bryce Young for CJ Stroud today. Right now. Yes. Uh Fields, obviously. Burrow, I guess technically PJ Walker right now for, for Cleveland. Um yeah, it, like let's say it's Deshaun. Are you telling me the Browns don't want to yeah, get recourse? Oh, they, yeah, if someone course. called and said, hey, we'll take Deshaun's contract, Cleveland would say we'll we will have that thing ready for you right now. We'll, we're gonna go shine it up right now. Correct. Do you Back. need the physical copy or will a PDF work? We'll, yeah. we'll do it all. I'm going to send it to you in PDF, Word, pages, everything. I'm going to get all th- – this is coming your way. Yeah, don't worry. We got the FedEx account. We're going to make sure <laughs> – yeah, the, the, the FedEx charges on us, guys. We got it. We, don't, don't you worry. You yeah. just you just sit sit down and relax. Just just It's coming. Uh, Dallas would trade Dak. Russell Wilson, Hard obviously. Thing. Jared Goff, no. I agree with Neil. Jordan Love, yes. C.J. Stroud. No, they would not trade him. Yeah, I agree. Texas uh, fan right I, I'm if you're a Texans fan, aren't you like like you feel pretty good right now? Because it it looks like you've hit on the two hardest parts. Number yeah. one, D'Amico looks to be like an awesome coach because you also like I'm still not sold on Salah. At least with D'Amico, D'Amico has the understanding of I'm a defensive guy, but I understand in this league you gotta score. Like they're mm-hmm. off, like they're not doing the dumb ball control, look how good my defense is. Like I, I think you've got to be thrilled because you've hit on the two hardest things to do. You get a quarterback and a tackle and you try to play. And a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have – this league's a coach-quarterback league. Because the the difference – you can't just out-talent people. Like you have to have either a scheme or a culture. I know he's out for the year, but Indianapolis, Anthony Richardson? I think you're you're – pleased um but he's not indispensable correct i mean like he got hurt literally in every game he played trevor lawrence i think trevor you're still you're still cool with i think so too i don't think they'd trade him there's some obvious ones here so i'm gonna skip them uh justin herbert they wouldn't they're pot committed okay Minnesota uh, would love to get rid of Kirk Cousins. The Patriots would kick Mac Jones out today. Uh, for all those out there that hate my football takes, how's my Herbert Tate looking right now? <clears throat> yeah, Philip Rivers part two. It's also coach. The, the, the coach part of that equation is big. Sure, but at the same time, Neil, this is the same player he's been for eight years. Oh, it's true. No, no, no question about it. He's he's that dude that's got all the talent in the world, and he just it's never never completely comes to fruition. He just doesn't, for whatever reason or reasons, it just doesn't happen. The only other one on the list is Jalen Hurts. They love him. They do love him. Also, uh, 
I feel pretty validated so far through five weeks or whatever, six weeks of saying, hey, uh, Jalen, I'm going to need you to go do that again before I buy in that you're, you know, an MVP caliber quarterback. And he's been fine this year, but he looks more like he did every other year of his career. They're really good, but they're they they have enough flaws that every week you can get them. Yes. I mean, they're going to win a ton of games, but they they're not as uh, inevitable as they were last year. No, no, no. That's 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 for sure. So appreciate it, bud. We'll talk again hey, real quick before you yep. go. Real yep. quick, yep. Uh, thirty seconds or less. What's the reaction locally on the ESPN story on Morant? Um. So the social media reaction is, you know, how dare you? Why are you picking on him? Uh, the reaction everyone's having in their group chat. Uh, how bad is it? You know, that, that's kind of it. And then I think the other big question is how is Morant taking it? And then I think the secondary question that I have, which I actually think is the more important question, do Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman, the GM, or whatever, president of roster, however you want to define it, do they know who those team sources are? What I wanted to know. Isn't that funny? That was the as I was reading that, I was like, "Well, this isn't new, but this is interesting." And then some of the stuff, the sourcing, I was like, "What are the odds that Kleiman and Jenkins are the sources?" I don't think that is. I think that is close to zero. Okay, but I do think it's possible that I think it's entirely possible that they were okay with maybe someone else talking. Okay, which is similar to what I'm. Yeah, exactly. But that's but. I think it's also a deeper issue, though, if they don't know. Yeah. Well, I read it. Here's what I thought just real quick. I I was fascinated by it. It was really interesting. It was well, was well written. Um, I read it as. We've completely lost patience. If this continues and there's no sign that it won't. If this continues, we've got to start figuring out an extrication plan. Um. I think that's reasonable. I read it as we think John Morant's got a drinking problem and he won't acknowledge that he has a drinking problem and we've been trying to get him to go to rehab. He won't go to rehab. So here here you go. Let's put this in the public. Oh, okay. Well, you would know better than me. You're there. It was, it was I just found it to be a really from a timing standpoint. I mean, the schedule starts in a week. Um, I mean, all that stuff. I, I just I looked at it and went, whoa. I think if you're Taylor, though, you would much rather have had that drop yesterday than drop the day before Ja comes back. Oh, for sure. For sure. I did also wonder, because I think Baxter and Tim are, are pretty plugged in. Like, Baxter took down Robert Sarver, so when there were Grizzlies fans trying to question his credentials, like, no, I think Baxter's a pretty good reporter, um, and Tim's definitely plugged in, particularly with Grizzlies. I wondered, are they sitting on something? Oh, is this a like warning? There's, that there's more. This was a warning shot. Yeah, I, I wondered that. Because hmm. you know the thing is, uh, with the healthy dialed-in Morant, I think the Grizzlies are the best team in the West. But the margin between best team in the West and seventh best team in the West is like so razor thin. It's never been thinner. Good it's deal. never been thinner. I mean, it, you you look at what, the difference between first and tenth is like one player. A razor. It's it it is. They're yeah for sure. I mean like. You see Minnesota and, and and 
Oklahoma City and Dallas and some of those teams, I mean, they're like eight, nine, ten. They could so easily be three, four, five. I mean, it's just right there. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Letter bug. Appreciate it. All right, Neil, go update those uh overall standings. I noticed that you just put the uh weekly standings because you know you oh. have an eight and two. Oh. Get those overall standings updated, buddy. Okay. I, they are they are updated. You're still you're still ahead. Did you? I'm refreshing the page. When did you? Up, all I saw was. Oh, did I not do it? Damn it! Uh, this cramming four and a half days into three thing was. We'll take ahead. care of it. But uh, I've got it. I've got it here on the in the notebook. I will update it momentarily. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, all right, be good. Later, bud. Jeffrey Wright, as always on Thursdays, Campbell Clinic Hotline. There, I, I was scanning for content. Oh, I, did, I, I didn't. Oh. Really. I sure didn't, okay. but I, that's easy. I've got it. I've got it here. Okay. Um, there's a story on ESPN about DK Metcalf and his penalties this morning. He uh he after Pete Carroll was pretty critical of him in the same day's press conferences, he said, I'm not going to change the way I play. He is uh, 15th overall and tops among receivers for penalties this season. It is a really long story, though. Just like journalistically, this is a this is an interesting one because I mean, maybe it's relevant and, and warranted, but it's it's not a Seahawks beat writer necessarily. It's on the front of ESPN.com. The entire story is about Metcalf committing penalties, and I bet it's a thousand word story. New, it's an interesting well, thing. Maybe longer watched, than that. Honestly, I watched their game last week, and some of the stuff that he did was egregious. And it looked like he's completely lost his composure, which is not who DK is. So it made me wonder if if the frustration of quarterback and not being as competitive as he thinks they should be or he wants to be is starting to really boil over with him. And it make, makes me wonder. I haven't even seen the story you're referencing, but thinking about it, I, it now makes me wonder if uh, – if someone in the Seahawks organization didn't sort of plan a story to send a message to DK, like shut up, you, we paid you. We're asking you to lead. He basically threw a temper tantrum last week against the Bengals mm-hmm. and it cost them in a game that they lost 17, 13 in a game that came down to the end. I mean, where every yard mattered, you know, it was, it was a critical, critical loss of composure. Harold says, we put all the penalties on the board in Monday's meetings, and the guys who had the most were at the top, and he was up there with another guy. We all have to acknowledge it and recognize what our issues are, whatever they are. It happens to be, in this case, he's getting called. He knows. He's got to clean it up. We have to make sure we're aware of how they're calling stuff. He's very aggressive, very physical. It stands out. He draws attention because of that. So we've got to be cleaner. He knows it, and he's got to get it done. Um, Metcalf was asked about that. He responded, it was just a board to me. If you look at the penalties, it was a taunting, unnecessary roughness, face mask holding. I think there was one more in there. So I'm doing pretty good if I look at it and judge myself how I play. I just try to be consistent and have clean hands or whatever the case may be, but I'm not going to change who I am as a player or a person. This comes a couple weeks after he was asked about it when he basically said, yeah, I'd really have to do a lot better. So. Well, I think that's the beginning of uh, I demand a trade. That's that's asked whether some of the penalties have been a case of letting his emotions get the better of him. Metcalf asked the media member who posed the question whether he's ever had a bad day at the work. So again, he's, we're we're <laughs> we're preparing to demand a trade. <laughs> it, it it feels like that's the the start here, doesn't it? 
You know, you're a receiver in a league where your quarterbacks and Geno Smith tries hard. He plays hard, but come on. You're in a league. So they are having some issues that, and look, it's really loud in Seattle. We're aware of that, that when stuff is happening on the other side of the field, they do not think that he's hearing the whistle. And he's incredibly physical, obviously, through the play. And that multiple times he's getting flagged and then getting frustrated because he's not hearing the plays over. Yeah, the play in Cincinnati where he, I can't remember who the DB was. That wasn't that was that was him pissed off. He was open. Smith never saw him. The play disintegrated. He t- made a no. Nah, it was that was him being pissed off. Let's see, scanning through. Didn't really answer whether he thought he had gotten better over the years because he acknowledged in 2021 that as a team leader, it was time to to, to basically grow up. Um. Bobby Wagner, who's been a longtime team captain to the uh, Seahawks, said he needs to remember the officials are keeping an extra close eye on him. On him. Quote, I'm pretty sure the teams are playing him and pointing out, pointing that out pregame. Hey, watch 14, watch 14, Wagner said. Sometimes you got to remind him that when you set that type of precedent, it takes a while for it to go away. So that's the biggest thing to just understanding they're watching him. They aren't going to let him get away with stuff that maybe other guys get away with and be mindful of it. So, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Just saw it and it stuck out. I went, whoa, okay. Yeah. I mean, they are asking him to lead and they're paying him to lead. He's just a wide receiver. Wide receivers are different cats. I think you just have to be a different person to be a wide receiver. And I mean, Justin Jefferson basically quit on the Vikings. Mm -hmm. He basically just walked away and then does the social media thing about Justin Fields of all people. (laughs) Kirk Cousins had to be like, are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> I just think it comes with the territory. Keeping wide receivers happy is next to impossible. It's a chore. Um, is it a big loss to the Cubs if they lose this guy to the Red Sox, Craig, Craig Breslow? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's a big loss. Okay. He's a huge part of their pitching development. And their pitching development, for the first time in like 200 years, is a positive thing. Like he, Jackson Ferris, Cade uh, Horton, they've got young guys that are coming that appear to be ready to be impactful starting pitchers. Uh, uh, Justin Steele probably will finish, what, third or fourth in the Cy Young voting. Breslow gets a ton of credit for that. A lot of their young relievers, Adbert Alzali, Mark Leiter Jr., some of those guys, a lot of that is Breslow stuff. Yeah, losing him is brutal, but he's a Boston kid. He's going to get to go home, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure they'll replace him with some chump. After they let let Bellinger walk and they'll come in second for all the free agents. Schwarber will probably hit four more home runs tonight. So where has he been an executive in the past, just Chicago? Yeah, he was an Epstein guy. Okay. Was he on the thing and was he on the staff in 16? I don't think so. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. I'm bracing myself for like a really crappy offseason. I, 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 you can almost kind of feel it coming. Like they're yeah. just going to go cheap. They're, they're doing the spend responsibly. And meanwhile, every time they say that, Kyle Schwarber hits the ball 470 feet. Yeah, but he strikes out a lot. I don't care. 
Nick Castellanos wanted to stay. All they had to do was just give him a contract. They didn't even have to give him a big contract, just a contract. Nope. 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 Roger nope. Goodell signs a uh, three-year extension as the commissioner in the NFL. He takes all the bullets and gets paid very well to take him. To he does everything they ask him to do. As he long is hated. He's the king. And he, yep. Yep. He just takes the bullets. Owners make their money. The league just continues the TV ratings, new corporate deals. And when there's something to be criticized, Goodell takes the criticism. Works. You take the bullets for $45 million, right? All of them. All the bullets. Oh, good Lord. To have that job? Yeah, absolutely. Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, wonderful human beings. Really just thankful for all the ownership, all the GMs yeah. and the players and the fans. I mean, I'm sure there are days when he goes home <laughs> and he can't get in the shower fast enough to wash the grime off. Yeah. But then as he's showering and he grabs his loofah that's probably made of $100 bills, he probably says, you know what? It's going to be okay. I, I think I'm going to go pour something nice, take a deep breath, do it again tomorrow. Yeah, he's got he he's got as expensive as a as a as a decanter waiting on him with wine or cocktails or whatever he yeah. he's got along the way. Yeah, he's a, he's gonna, gonna be, be okay. Right. Gonna be okay, and he's he probably says to himself, you know, do it three four more years, collect another hundred and sixty million or so. That beach house is waiting on us. Good that boy. might be the only thing is after you do it to a certain extent. I think you're not, you're. I guess I'm a little shocked he did another one. Like he's been doing it for a long time and he's made a god awful amount of money. I think like, they begged him to do it. I don't think they want to try to replace him. He's done so well from an ownership perspective. Which if is all one of the owners. If you're one of the owners, he's done a tremendous job of brand building. Mm -hmm. They are the undisputed king. I mean, you look at some of the huge college football TV ratings and stuff that we see week after week, and you're like, whoa, that's a big number. And somewhere Goodell goes, oh, good for you guys. That's cool. We we get that like 14 times a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, random people like you and me will sit and watch a Seattle-Tampa Bay game for no reason whatsoever. It's just the NFL. You watch it because it's on. Oh, it's like, well, I'm, I mean, baseball still to this day can't figure out their scheduling, and they'll go head up against Sunday night football, and it's like, stop. What, what are you doing? doing? Just surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, play it three. Well, like last year, I thought it was interesting. But for year after year after year, the NBA was like, Christmas Day, we're going to tip this thing off. Mm -hmm. Boy, it's going to be awesome. NFL goes, hey, watch this <laughs> Jacksonville versus like Indianapolis. Boom. Yeah. Poof. Yeah. Somewhere silver went, hold on a minute. NFL's doing what? Hold yeah. on. That, no, no, no. no. That, that's our day. That's not your day. That's our day. Yeah. The NBA is like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to put LeBron against KD. Ready? Yeah. The NFL goes, that's really cute. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put the Texans against the Jets. Yeah. And just blow you away. <laughs> we're not even going to bring out the Cowboys. We're not even going to bring out the big guns. <laughs> nah. We're going to go, I don't know, let's think. Chargers. Yeah. Falcons. Really, Falcons. really compelling stuff. Yeah. Chargers, Falcons. Yeah. We're not even going to try, and we're going to beat you by 500%. I mean, it's it's what hurt. I mean, it's the Thanksgiving thing. It's, you know, forever. You know, you, you had the, the – hey, the college game, it's by itself. It's like, no, actually, it's head up against Saints-Falcons. 
Well, last no, year was like it's, Saints, it's, it's, it's it was Saints Bills or something. It's like no one, <laughs> no offense to Ole Miss, Mississippi State or anybody else. No one's watching you. I mean, they're watching yeah. the NFL. I mean, yeah, only people watching you are Ole Miss fans, Mississippi State fans, and the people who live in Birmingham. Because the, the, NFL, the NFL, the NFL's in this weird spot where because they do the Lions Cowboys thing, and obviously the Cowboys are huge. Don't get me wrong, but they've set on those first two games. They try to kind of put a banger on that prime time game. Like you actually get a good game that night. And it's like, yeah, okay, no, that's that's taking over the entire focus after we've had all the trip to fan and the turkey and the whole deal and called it a day. I'll never understand why the Ole Miss Mississippi State game didn't move to Friday night. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes, well, what about high school football? Stop. Just nope. Move it to yeah. Friday night. Move it to Friday afternoon. I mean, Missouri, Arkansas, for God's sake, gets a great rating. Mm-hmm. No one's working the day after Thanksgiving. No. And. No one does, I mean, not being a sexist here, but even women do a lot of their shopping now on Amazon and the like. Yeah, the Black Friday thing is not the same anymore. And the only Black Friday stuff is at four in the morning. Well, you're not kicking a game off at four in the morning, though it's a great idea. You should think about it. Um, it it's, I'll, I'll, I'll never get it. I had this conversation with, I don't know who it was, this week. We were talking about Thanksgiving and was asked are you gonna go and i'm like i hate going it's miserable driving over there on thanksgiving day and then thanksgiving night when you leave to get out of startville you got to walk four miles down to that apartment complex where you're afraid you're going to get mugged and then you get Mm -hmm. in your car and then it's two and a half hours two hours home it's two in the morning there's no place to stop because everything's closed i despise that game i don't like it when it's in oxford i hate it when it's in startville but if you no, played it bad. Friday, I would feel differently about it. Yeah, Friday wouldn't be bad. That'd be okay. I'd feel completely different about it. And if you played it on Saturday, I'd be perfectly cool with it, which yeah. is what they should do. They should play the damn thing on Saturday. Surely when they go to the new schedule, they're going to do that. Is this the I last year that they're locked into Thanksgiving? I think Texas, Texas A&M is what's going to end up on Thanksgiving night. Well, they can have it. Yeah, I think that's what's coming. I don't even think Ole Miss... I, I think state fans would argue with me, but I think the majority of Ole Miss fans would agree with me on this. Yeah, th- there are positives and negatives, but I would rather it be on Saturday. It's just a it's a family holiday issue every year. Um, in addition yeah. to the other things. Yeah, I mean, it's not even this isn't even a media thing. It's just Well, and and you only play it on Thanksgiving because you thought you were going to have this TV window. Yeah, but the NFL, as you just said, they now play like your your, your words. Good word. You're right. They, they try to schedule a banger. Yeah, like Bengals Chiefs or something like that. I mean, I do think it was. I think it was Saints Bills. I think it, it was, was like, Saints Bills, and so it's like two kind of high profile teams, and you know Josh Allen and the whole yeah. the whole deal, and you know, so well, of course the country's watching that over a mm-hmm. college game. Yeah. Busy uh, YouTube schedule today coming up on MPB Digital and the Rebel Grove YouTube channel. Uh, Neil has an Oxford Exxon podcast extra with John Sokoloff, Jason Caldwell, and Ben Mintz. Obviously, Sokoloff does CBI TV out of Columbus, Mintz with Barstool, and then Jason Caldwell. Is that inside the Auburn Tigers, Neil? Is that still that what is that correct. is? That is okay. correct. That is correct. Inside the Auburn Tigers for Jason Caldwell. 
Uh, Pete's, Pete's, Pete's Pigskin Preview, presented by River Riverland Roofing. A lot of tongue twisters in our uh, ad copy today. We'll be at 3 o'clock on the YouTube channel, The Butcher versus Dance Instructor, LB's Meat Market, Greg, Caroline, 4.30 for that one. And then Brian and I, hand-raised guys, Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating as well, 5 o'clock on the YouTube channel. And then, as always, those will be loaded into podcast form. The Hand-Raised Guys will be your Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, as it always is, heading into Saturday with Ole Miss and Auburn, 6 o'clock from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Post-game show presented by Dead Soxie, where I thought last week was kind of one way or the other. God help me on a 1 or a 10 on the result and what this game is going to be like on Saturday night. I, I will be honest, for my own sanity, go Rebels, please guide. Saturday well, I'm, night I'm, in, I'm in the exact so. same boat. I, I will. Here's here's the, here's the one thing I will promise you. I will promise you that I will be available for okay. you at nine o'clock. Okay. I can't promise you that I will be completely sober. Okay. I, I will promise you that I will be available, and that if it goes bad, you can. I will be there to take the punches with you. And it, okay. if it goes good, you can just set up Jeffrey okay. and go here. Yeah, if it goes well, I mean, like I said, if you could go, hey, what is this score? And they go, look, look, don't worry, Ole Miss thirty-seven to seventeen. I go, oh God, I mean, like, let's yeah. just light it up. Go ahead, here. Give me that I'm... scene from, be the scene from Bull Durham where you say, Charlie, here comes the deuce, and when you speak yeah. of me, speak well. Yeah, and sure enough, the hanging curveball, boom. Yeah, so 6 o'clock, Ole Miss and Auburn. Just a huge game for Ole Miss is with a win, you're setting up a game against the Aggies in two weeks because they have Vanderbilt next week, and it is what it is. So we'll uh, obviously cover that, but Vanderbilt sucks. So heading into it, Saturday, Ole Miss and Auburn. Thanks to Jeffrey on the Campbell Clinic hotline, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.